Welcome listeners to the Lust for Life podcast. This is your host, Tennessee Reed. Today, we have a guest on our show, and it's such an amazing person, and I want him to share his life story with us because of how inspiring it is. His name is Dat. He is a medical student at the University of North Carolina. Dat, would you like to say hi to the audience really quick? Yep. Hello, everyone. My name is Dad. Um, I'm super excited to be here to share my story and hopefully in- inspire somebody. We are so excited for you to be here, Dad. So I will preface uh, Dad's story a little bit, but I want him to share it mostly. Um, Dad immigrated from the to the United States when he was, I believe, six years old, and he faced so much resilience and it really shows his character and how much he's influenced the world and how much he will continue to influence the world. And he's faced a lot of resilience emotionally. And I'd really like to touch on that today because that's kind of what our podcast is about. Um, Dad, would you mind sharing your story when, when you came to the United States and maybe the difficulties of that? Yeah. So I was born, so I was born and raised in Vietnam and I moved to the U.S. when I was 10. And um, growing up in Vietnam, so my dad lived in Vietnam, lived in the in the U.S. for most of my life. So he would come back like once or twice a year for like a month or two to visit me and my mom. So growing up, I didn't have really have that father figure. So I relied mostly on my mom, my grandma to like help me fill that role for him. So growing up, it was pretty normal. Um, I was always excited to see my dad when he came home from the U.S. He would always like brought back like chocolate, a lot of candies, which was like always amazing. Um, So he started the application for me and my mom to come to the U.S. when I was like six or seven. And I finally was able to come to the U.S. when I was 10. So in Vietnam, uh, like almost everyone thought of the U.S. as like this super pretty, super exuberant place where people ha- where people had a lot of money, where the education was amazing. Um, so my image of the U.S. was mostly based on movies. Uh, but when I first came to the U.S., uh, my mom and I moved in with my dad in Camden, North Carolina. So he is a fisherman, so he lives by the water. So when we first came to the U.S., I was kind of shocked because it was nothing like the movies I saw. It was like all corn cornfields, a lot of trees without without many like big buildings I saw in the movies. So that was a big shock for me. Um, and the biggest shock for me was going to school. Um, I did not speak a single word of English before I started school in the U.S. And my parents don't speak English either um, because and they did not even attend high school at all in general. So I was like going to school without knowing anything, without no help. Um, And my school did not have an ESL program. Um, So I kind of struggled a lot during my first year, which is, which was sixth grade. Um, so my options were either to not do anything about it or 
try to learn English by myself and try to be advance my education uh, to help my parents in the future go to college and that kind of stuff. So I decided to take the second route and learn English by myself. So I mainly use Google Translate to learn that. So um, when we, so when, when my teachers gave me homework or say words that I did not understand, I would write things, things down. And then I would go back home and then translate that using, using Google Translate. Um, so that helped me learn English throughout my years in school. And what surprised me about education in the U.S. is that when I first came here, I expected to have like so many resources to help me, so many uh, peers who are supporting me because that was my vision of the U.S. But coming here, I was quite surprised. Uh, I got bullied a lot during school. And I was always labeled as this kid who didn't speak English. So I was always picked on. Um, so in sixth grade, I had this one friend who was, who, who was also my neighbor. I thought she was my friend, but she would call me stupid every single day. So I thought, so I really thought that was my representation. So I was, so I didn't say anything about it because I thought that was true. But as like, the school year went on as I as I advanced to the next like grade or something. I thought that was not okay. So um so I use that like what she say as my push to not prove her wrong but prove to myself that I am capable of this and I'm not stupid. So that inspired me a lot to really learn English by myself and advance my education in the future so um i was able to fu funny story i won the english award uh in my seventh grade uh for for the whole grade so i was pretty surprised about that so um, that was one of the turning moments of me real realizing that i could do this i could graduate from high school attend college and maybe do something bigger than that so um, using that like perseverance I had as a child to learn English, to um, try to talk to other people who might not look like me, I use that perseverance to become the first person in my family to graduate from high school, attend college, and now attending medical school to become a doctor and help others who don't speak English uh, and others who might not have the resource that they, that they need to uh, get to where get to where they want. So that is my one of my passions is to help with those within that population. My yeah. one of my favorite parts that you said was I either have two I have two choices here. I have a choice to give in to what everyone's telling me that I'm not worth it that. Um, I'm never going to be anything and I'm never going to learn English. Mm -hmm. And there's the road less traveled, which shows a lot of resilience. And mm -hmm. you chose to learn English. And another part that I really liked was you seem to like gain an empowerment um, when you learned the English to a mm -hmm. point where you realized I'm not stupid. Like everyone is literally telling me. Like mm -hmm. I can do this and 
you literally won the English award in your grade. Mm-hmm. And English is not easy. Like it it's is not. is my it is my weakest part <laughs> of all of my education. I've always struggled with writing mm-hmm. and speaking proper English. So that's so impressive. So impressive. And let's not like shy away from the fact that being a medical doctor is a very prestigious career. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of critical thinking, a lot of, um, it takes a lot of skills. And mm-hmm. the fact that I think that was a really pivotal moment for you in your life was that one moment and that one choice of, am I going to give into this or not? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you agree to this or not, but there's so many of those little choices in our everyday life. And that was a really pivotal one, but we also have pivotal ones every day. Like, am I going to wake up and, you know, do my homework or am I going to procrastinate? Mm-hmm. And those little choices can lead you to either your the direction you're meant to be in or a not so productive direction. And mm-hmm. clearly you have made really great life choices to get you to this position. Yeah. Dad has also um, expressed to me a little bit about his life was really different when he got to college. And Dad, you said that you began to maybe pay more attention to your emotions and maybe your feelings and different different ways of processing those. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up in an Asian family slash immigrant family, we did not talk a lot about our emotions. So um, my parents really didn't, like, never really say I love you to me. And we never talk about our feelings or stress, uh, anything like that. So I thought that was the norm of not expressing my feelings as, like, a protective barrier to help me um, not get hurt by by anyone else um, that, that's outside my family. So coming into college, uh, I thought that was the norm. But as time went on, I met this amazing group of friends who really showed me that expressing your feelings is a strong factor that can help you gain a lot of confidence. So um, at first, I was not like able to do that because I did not feel safe because throughout my life, I was not told to express my emotions, my feelings. But the, but this group of friends helped me realize that it's so important to express your feelings. So you don't, so you, so you don't suppress stuff inside of you that can, can cause a lot more stress. Um, and that can lead like a lot, a lot to more chronic diseases. So I was able to express like my childhood to them, my trauma, my everyday stress to, to my friends. So I was able to gain a lot of confidence with talking about that and also confidence in talking to strangers and realizing that everyone has a different story that we might not know about. So it's important to not judge anyone until you know their story because it's so important to be like he is mean but you don't know his like childhood his past trauma so I think it's important to get to know everyone's stories and see how those stories re- relate 
or transpired to the person that they are right now. Was there anything in particular with that friend group that like felt comfortable to express those feelings? Because I know when you're in that kind of, uh, what is it? defense mode when you're kind of protective mm. of those feelings you really don't want to share those with many people mm. unless you feel completely comfortable with them and even mm. then you still pretty you feel pretty defensive sometimes mm. was there anything with that friend group that really helped you to open up yeah so what made me open up to them was seeing like how vulnerable they are towards me so be so just them like being vulnerable being them being able to talk about their feelings and how liberating that is to like release what you have inside of you um, to someone else who might know you to, to help them know better about you. So that helped me a lot, gain a lot of confidence in sharing my personal story to help me release this like, tension inside of me that has been building up for like many years. Um, so I was always labeled as a shy, as a shy kid, and uh, because I did not talk to anyone. So by meeting them and seeing how vulnerable vulnerable they are towards me, and how caring they are towards me in trying to know who I am as a person, really let me help me gain that confidence to like, yep, uh, I can share my feelings towards them and not get judged because they are also vulnerable towards me. I love that. That's a good way for, you know, us individually to realize what, like, being vulnerable helps other people to be vulnerable. So being vulnerable helps other people to be vulnerable because you're kind of both raw at that moment. And so you're both, you're not, you're not in an attacking mode. You're in a very, you're in a very soft, um, open, and it allows a lot of that crucial and, uh, like fruit, fruitful conversation to happen. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to, you know, process your emotions. Do you feel like for you, it's talking to people and kind of getting their opinions about things? Like what's your go-to way of processing your emotions? Cause I know I have mine that I'm slowly figuring out works best yeah. for me. Um, what works best for you? Yeah. So for, for example, if I have a, like a stressful day or something, I would talk to, I would text my friend or something and be like, this is what happened today. And I don't know how to deal about it. So just asking for help. So I think asking for help is like extremely important, but many people don't do it because that might seem like they are weak. They are not capable of what they are doing. But I think that asking for help is so important in helping you grow because uh, it takes a team to, uh, grow um you're not here by yourself other people are experiencing this too so it's important to like ask for help ask for inputs that might help you um find the be best solution i really like how you said asking for help because i feel like sometimes in our society asking for help is viewed as uh weak mm -hmm. but really it's very courageous. Yeah. It really is because you are opening yourself up to other people mm -hmm. and you're allowing them to kind of put their input on your life. Mm -hmm. um, something that's worked for me that um, maybe listeners will find helpful too is the idea that your thoughts are just thoughts um, and that's all they are. 
every thought that you have in your head is just your interpretation of the world. And what you give value to each of those thoughts is up to you and will determine your psychological health. So if you give value to people being mean to you, Mm -hmm. then you're going to think the whole world is so mean to you. But if you give value to things that that you're grateful for, then you're going to view this world as full of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So your thoughts are truly just thoughts. And how you choose to give value to what thoughts you give value to will determine what what, how you view the world. So for me, something that really helps me to process my emotions is you have to give it the time it needs. Yeah, You have to, you cannot just feel, feel like anxious or angry or just contentious and say, I'll think about that later. Mm-hmm. Then you shove it under the rug. You, you can't do that. Right. Um, something that's really helped for me is you have to give the time it needs. So whether that's curling up in a ball and just closing your eyes and letting your thoughts flow through you. What and you have to you have to keep in mind your thoughts are not you. So even if they're bad thoughts, even if they're thoughts that you're like, I really don't want these in my head, you choose to give value to what you want. Mm-hmm. So a thought is just a thought. So for me, I kind of just sit down, close my eyes, and I just let things flow through me. I feel the emotions. I'm not giving value to anything, and I'm just observing the emotions. Mm-hmm. And I start to think of why am I feeling this way? Why, like, why was I in that situation? What, like, I just, I continue to ask why until I find the root cause and figure out, okay, in the future, how can I avoid this? How can I make this a different situation? How can I be of benefit to this and also try to learn try to learn something from this situation because you can, you can either choose to view a situation as it happened to you, gosh, dang it and move on. Or you can view a situation as this happened to me, gosh, dang it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's learn from it and let's figure out how to benefit from this. So I I really like that. There's so many different ways to process your Mm -hmm. emotions and you have yours and it works for you really well. Mm. And I have mine and many mm. people have many other ways to do it. Yeah. So I I just really like that um, mm. part of your story is empowering yourself through processing your emotions. And I believe you had mentioned empowering yourself and how much better you felt. Mm-hmm. Um, was When was the time that you decided to become a medical doctor? Was it like yeah. in your junior high or was it high school or was it college? Uh, so this is also a personal story to me and my family. So um, so when we came to the U.S., me and my mom and my dad, who also who lived here long, be- long before us, so we didn't have any like insurance. We could not find a single doctor who spoke Vietnamese who lived close to us. And my mom and my dad would always... Um, be like, I do not want to go to the doctor because that would cost too much money. Um, and they would get extremely sick and they would still refuse to go to the doctor because they don't speak English. Um, the medical bills would be too much. Um, so one pivotal moment that I knew that I wanted to be, to be a doctor was when was in eighth grade, I think. Um, so my mom was having like this constant headache 
that wouldn't that wouldn't go away, and then that kept continued to be worse. And then one day, she just told me to um, accompany her to the ER because she could not stand it anymore. And then in the ER, um, uh, we were not giving an interpreter because I'm not sure why. And they and they, and they rely on me to to like translate for her with my limited limited English skills. So um, during that ER visit, we did not understand a single thing that was going on. Um, we felt super stressed. We felt like we were not understood. So when we were, when my mom was discharged from the ER, they just gave us this piece of paper and be like, bye. Um, so we still didn't know what was going on with my mom. We went home without like having an answer to what happened. So that is one of my main reasons for wanting me to, to be a doctor to help like immigrants, like my family who don't speak English, who are not um, insured to have like that representation of an immigrant who grew up with a humble background to help patients realize that um, there's someone that they can relate to and go to and trust. So that is one one of my main reasons for going to medicine. I love that so much. It makes it so much more powerful when yes. you have a really personal connection mm-hmm. to your why. Because mm-hmm. um, I know uh, it's hard to keep a dream alive when you're not super attached to it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will share my heart is in my stomach a little bit right now because I don't know if you know, but I'm an ER nurse mm-hmm. for the last year. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I probably could count on my fingers how many times I used an interpreter mm-hmm. um, because we are, I, we are so busy. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was like, I don't have time to grab an interpreter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at a couple different hospitals. One of the hospitals is really good about providing an in-person interpreter. So I did mm-hmm. utilize that when I could. Mm-hmm. Um, a second hospital I worked at did not really have great interpreter services and it was so hard to get to grab the interpreter and so I just hoped and prayed that someone like you and the member of the family could Mm -hmm. speak some kind of English Mm -hmm. and I always knew that I should probably grab an interpreter but I was just so stressed in the ER sometimes that I was like I I just don't have time right now Mm -hmm. and so that was really eye-opening for me for you to say that Mm -hmm. especially as a nurse and I'm going to school to be a provider, mm-hmm. I completely have my mind changed. Not that I didn't agree with interpreters before, but you bring brought that perspective on me of once again, you don't know someone's story. Mm-hmm. You just like you said earlier, and you have to put yourself in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. You just have to. That's the only way to view this world and this society with uh, objective, um, view mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, like I said, I, my heart is in my stomach because all the time we did have, you know, non-English speaking patients come in with like cases. And I can't imagine how scary that is to not know what's going on. And, and especially with you in the medical field now, you know, of all the horrible things that a little headache can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I would like to apologize to you, I guess, and say that I will, 
I will be much more diligent in the future with using an interpreter. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. So, uh, so one thing I realized recently is that um, healthcare professionals rely a lot on family members, but to like translate for their family member. But one thing, one important thing is that they are not certified to translate. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important to have an interpreter who is certified, who is able to translate that exact um, me- medical term to the patient instead of having the family member like going around that term and having the patient, the actual patient themselves feel confused and not know what's going on. So I think it's important to always use an interpreter unless you are certified. I love that you said that too. And um, I think it's important to note too that we have the resources now today so we can kind of union together mm-hmm. and uh, kind of make a vow to use those interpreters. Um, especially as a nurse myself, I know that some of my listeners are also nurses um, and just keep the patient in mind. I feel like the hospitals today, the hospital systems are a little broken, a mm. lot of broken. And that's why dad's going to be a doctor. <laughs> yes. Um, Because I think it's also important to keep in mind that nurses are so busy and so worked mm. so hard yes. that we forget about the patient sometimes. And mm. that's heartbreaking. And we forget our why of why I even mm. became a nurse sometimes because we're just, it's kind of just about the money right now with insurance mm. and pharmacies and hospitals. And it's just another reminder for the nurses of why we became a nurse. Um, mm-hmm. We became a nurse to help people, to mm-hmm. heal people, to help people find clarity with their medical diagnosis. And I just thank you so much for sharing that story. Of course. Um, I do have one more thought. Of course. If there's anything that you could share with our audience about resilience and emotional intelligence um, and processing your emotions, um, what would you share with them? Yeah. So I think it's very important to give yourself grace. So we have a lot of hard days that we might be like super stressed. We don't want to do anything. And it's okay to take those days off um, and reflect and reflect on yourselves. So like with my story, um, growing up, I was like super hard on myself to be like, I have to do this perfectly to make my parents proud and prove to myself that I'm capable of this. And I was pretty tired all the time. As time went on, I realized that it's so important to have, take time for yourself, to reflect, give yourself grace. Um, If you fail something, that's fine. Just um, reflect that you have come this far and it's very important that you have come this far because of your perseverance, that kind of stuff, to help you get to this point. So it's okay to take a day off. Don't do anything. Um, just like do take, go on a walk or something. And I think it's important to realize, to appreciate the little moments in your life. So you might think there's something going wrong. The world is like collapsing, but it's important to realize that you have all of this stuff go, going on for you. You have a roof to live in you have some food to eat so 
it's okay to feel that way, but it's also important to realize that there's so many things in your life that other people really want to have. So just like appreciate everything in your life, appreciate the little moments. So um, I say this a lot, but I say ah a lot because if I see something on the street and I think it's cute, I say ah. It's just like appreciate <laughs> the little moments I see and realize that life is beautiful and it's important to live and appreciating what you already have. I love everything you just said. Just a heart of just gratitude and self-reflection and just peace is what I got from this. Yes. Just like internal peace. Yes. So listeners, the challenge for this week, take time to reflect on your life and take time to process your emotions. Just let the emotions fill your soul. Don't bring any value to it and feel them come in and then leave. And also reflect on how much we have. We have so much to be grateful for, just like Dad said. So take some time to reflect. That is the challenge for this week. And I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Dad, thank you so much for joining us you had so much good things to say. I wish we could talk even longer, which we hopefully maybe will happen again on that podcast in the future when he um, does even more amazing things. So we look forward to um, having you listeners back next week and we love you all. Bye.